there was an intersection on Brown Road and Old Waynesboro Road that I used to take every morning going to school. And it was a big pothole. I mean, it was horrible. My car used to get, it was terrible. Car used to fall in it. It was really bad. No exaggeration. Long story short, I got out into the middle of the intersection, took pictures of it, sent it to him. He got it paved. Well, he got it filled with gravel. Then he came back and got it paved after I started complaining more about it. The intersection's paved to this day. So my love for politics literally started with filling potholes. I never knew that I was gonna be taking all of this time out of my life to fill potholes all the time. Welcome to Drop the Disc. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Drop the Disc podcast recorded right here at Augusta Podcast Studio. Today, we have a local politician, Jordan Johnson, the District 1 Commissioner from the Downtown District, who also happens to be the youngest commissioner at only 28 years old. We always talk about how we want young people involved in politics. We need young blood elected to office. I was running at 26 years old. I won at 26 and was sworn in at 27. So, I mean, it was something different. I think people saw that, you know, hey, this young guy really means business. And we take this opportunity to talk all things current events and all things development in Augusta, including a lot of new and cool policies that we hadn't heard about. So the fact is we need a new arena. People say, oh, well, we should fix the roads first. We should, you know, knock down blight first. Can we not chew bubble gum and walk at the same time? How do we apply ad valorem tax to, to property owners who aren't responding to our call to do something? Um, one of the biggest things I'm extremely excited about, and I should have said it first, I don't know how I missed it, is the homeless task force. If we develop the river, downtown Augusta immediately blossoms. Immediately blossoms. And he talks about taking on some pretty serious issues. Again, I can see why folks are like, you sure you really want to get into this? Absolutely. Because if not us, who? If not now, when? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Drop the Disc podcast recorded right here at Augusta Podcast Studio. If you enjoy today's episode, uh, leave us a rating or review. And I want to take a second to thank the people that have been leaving ratings or and reviews. We really, really appreciate that. We notice it and we try to do everything we can to make the show exactly what you guys need and what you're looking for. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for Commissioner Johnson, email them to us at dropthedispod at gmail.com and we will pass those along. And today's episode, like every episode, is presented by Nancy Powell of Powell and Associates. It's that time of year. It's the holidays when you start thinking about the things and the people in your life that you're thankful for. And we are incredibly thankful for Nancy and her continued support for over a year now. Her support has allowed us to do tons of cool things. Augusta Podcast would not be a company without the support of Nancy Powell. She's just incredible. Uh, and her support for the community does not end with us. It also goes to uh, the young professionals of Augusta who she sponsors charity events and philanthropy events with them. She's involved at Augusta University on campus as an alumnus. She's also involved in the Chamber of Commerce, helping welcome new businesses to Augusta. If there is one person who you want to trust your real estate decision to, I know that it's Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. And I know that because I have personally worked with her, not only on this show, of course, but also with my own home. If you have any questions for Nancy, maybe about real estate, maybe about the community in general, give her a call 706-717-1281.
guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. We are Drop the Disc Podcast. We're in the professional studio of Augusta Podcast for an interesting guest. We got a cool mural sitting beside us talking about Augusta, and that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're diving deep into it for District 1. Speaking of District 1, our guest is... Jordan Johnson, County Commission, District 1. Thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. So in like 30 seconds, because we're going to get into this, oh. but in like 30 seconds, <laughs> what do you do? Well, as a commissioner, my job is to make sure that the city is run effectively. We deal with operations for the city via departments. Uh, we pass policy. My job is to make sure that the city doesn't burst into flames overnight. <laughs> uh, in my personal life, I am the uh, executive director of a youth advocacy firm. And so I, I just really love what I do because it all kind of works together in so many different ways. And so happy to be here. So you're very involved with the public. Yes. And before we get deep into all this, can you tell us the boundaries of District 1? District yeah. 1 is large. So you have all of, the way I describe it is that we hit all five sections of Augusta. You get North Richmond County, which is your downtown area, East Augusta. You have parts of West Augusta, parts of South Augusta, and parts of Central Augusta. Mm. So that's your downtown area, your Laney Walker area, East Augusta. That goes all the way up by the airport. Harrisburg, Sand Hill, Central Augusta is huge, about 25,000 residents. Wow. Yeah. I did, I, honestly, I didn't realize it was that big. I just, when I think of District 1, I think of East Boundary and downtown yep. Augusta. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. We're the only district that covers all five parts of Augusta in some way. Fun fact. Yeah. If wow. you guys leave with no other information, you just <laughs> learned something like a minute into the show. Right. <laughs> so, be a good show. Jordan, we're going to talk about politics and you and Augusta and all these things, but we want to hone in on one of those things that I just said, which is you. Uh, we kind of want to get a little background. For those that don't know, we did interview Jordan when you were originally running about two years ago. Is about that right? About two years ago, maybe 15 pounds lighter. <laughs> and we were in a distillery, so the environment was a little different. <laughs> right. But um, we didn't really get to go deep down with you. So tell us, uh, Jordan, are you from Augusta? I am. I was born and raised in Augusta. was born in the East Augusta area in the okay. Oak Point housing uh, community. Um, it's known as Delta Manor back then. We left Delta Manor and moved to Dalwood Terrace, which was Southside Terrace at the time. Yeah. I went to Levi White Elementary School. My mom and dad uh, were married when I was probably five or six years old. Um, my dad worked at a at a factory. He was the lead man at a factory. My mom worked part-time um, at KB Toys while studying to become a nurse over at mm. Augusta State at the time. She became a registered nurse. Uh, they got married. We moved out to Hepzibah. So that went to Copeland Elementary School, McBean Elementary School, been all over the place. <laughs> uh, and then when I got, when I became a big boy, you know, when I grew up, I came back downtown, came back to the neighborhood that I, that I love so much. You know, my mom grew up in the neighborhood. My dad was a military brat, mm. but I've born and raised in Augusta, never lived anywhere else in my life. And, and is it. that district one? Did you grow up for the, it is. that's I, very I cool. I grew up in the district that I'm serving. Now. Very circular. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're a commissioner now and we'll get into kind of what that means, but before that, um, did, did you go to college here? I went to Payne College, okay. studied education, studied history. Uh, went to Cross Creek High School, home of the okay. mighty Razorbacks. And a bad <laughs> soccer team. Oh, well. <laughs> well. Well, we had a good ROTC program, and we were number seven in the nation, at go. least when I was there. Right. And I was the cadet commander. I have commander. heard that. I think that's still a thing. Is it? I think that's still a thing. Well, I was a six bar, so as a cadet captain, he usually stops at commander. Okay. But we were such a large unit, we went all over the country. Uh, just mm. doing competitions and, and stuff. Didn't go into the military. I couldn't pass a physical because I have heart disease. And um, at the time, I just didn't have it under control. It's under control now. Mm -hmm. Thank God. But 
I didn't go in the military. So I, I stayed home, helped take care of my siblings. Well, my baby sister, they're 14 years apart from each other. So I had to stay mm. back and help take care of her. Um, and that's really where my love for politics started because folks are running for office and I didn't know, let's figure out what I can do with my life, right? You mm -hmm. know, I didn't, I didn't jump right into the college life, but I just really loved politics. It sounds like you were kind of on a track to become a teacher. I wanted to. So my the biggest goals that I had in life were to be a wrestler. <laughs> Believe it or not, I wanted to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like WWE, yes. like sports. Yes. Uh, not like NCAA. I'm talking sports entertainment. Sp rest, wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be a teacher. One of my favorite movies was Lean On Me with Joe Clark. Mm -hmm. uh, Morgan Freeman portraying uh, New Jersey principal Joe Clark. I want to do that. Um, and so that's kind of where my passion for kids came from going into the boys and girls club. I was there for years. Some of the best years of my life were at the boys and girls club. Was that kind of like your first quote unquote, like big, you know, yeah, adult first job? job? Yeah. My first job, actually, uh, funny story. I worked for UPS. Oh yeah. I worked for UPS. That was my first job. Well, out of high school, I was working kind of like as an intern at a radio station. You wasn't getting paid anything. I was just a coffee guy going to get coffee, right. learning how to count the clock and stuff. But my first paid job was UPS and I hated it so bad. <laughs> I said, oh my God, I'm about to be just like my dad. I'm going to be working in the factory for the rest of my life. And I was texting him and I, that's not a bad thing, but I was texting him and I said, dad, I got to get out of here. I said, this, this manual labor thing sucks. <laughs> and he just texted me back, LOL. But I hated the job so much that I took the forklift. Uh, as I was loading the truck, I took a, the fork and punctured the side of the, of the trailer hoping I would get fired, but they didn't fire me. They just upped my training. That's like office style. <laughs> so, <laughs> they upped your training. They upped my training. <laughs> the supervisor called me in the office and was like, I'm very disappointed, but we're going to send you to Columbia for training. Like, <laughs> like, I'm, like, done I'm like, can you just fire me? <laughs> but she wouldn't fire me. I had to quit eventually. And after I quit, I got a call from Boys and Girls Club about an application that I had put in a year prior. Mm. Thinking, yeah, I would love to come work for Boys and Girls Club. And it was just. What was the application for? Well, I don't remember. It was so long ago. I think the application was for like a youth enrichment specialist or something like that. So basically like a teacher almost. Pretty much. It was a part-time gig that, you know, you just kind of run the program and we had certain program categories that we had to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that job was specifically for that. And I had I applied maybe a year before I actually got a call back. And I, I just remember being on the, in the, on the dock back at UPS, just thinking, there's got to be a way out of here. And it, was, <laughs> it was the dead heat of the summer. I was ready to go. But that Boys and Girls Club job really made me who I am because, number one, it helped me cut cut my teeth um, in dealing with tough situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was dealing with students who, you know, did not have quality family structure. Right. Dealing with parents who, who quite frankly, just they, they weren't involved. Um, and it, I had to go a little deeper and kind of figure out what was the what was the problem. Mm -hmm. Um whether that was education, social problems, what was the issue? Mm -hmm. That really helped me focus much more on how can I help these families. Right. So it became more than just a job to me. It became a became a, a, a heart mission because mm. I really wanted to help these children. So how long were you with uh, Boys and Girls Club? I was there from 2014 to 2020. And you kind of worked your way up. Mm -hmm. I started as a youth development professional, which was just your everyday in the classroom, in the program area person. Um, I did that for about a year or so, mm -hmm. and then I became a site coordinator. So mm -hmm. we opened sites in the schools. So certain schools had boys and girls clubs there in the morning and in the afternoons. And then I became a unit director over um, a couple of different units. 
The last one that I worked at was over off of Wheelis Road, the newer South Augusta Boys and Girls Club. Right. Um, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And then as soon as we cut the ribbon, I said, hmm, I'm running for commission. <laughs> the officer Jordan what in the world why like I don't know just want to run for commission like I really want to help, I want to help what, the year, kids. what year was this oh god uh, <laughs> 2019 right before the pandemic okay so about, yeah. about a year before you mm -hmm. actually ended up running right because okay. I left June of 2020 now I'm trying to place something okay because you told us before the show mm -hmm. that you also at one point had a radio show I did I'm trying to place when that was all in, in the all same the, area, all in the same time. Like 2018, 2019. I think my last show was because I switched stations. So I was at um, a station mostly throughout the summer of 2018. Um, the first one was WKZK. Okay. That was the very first spot right out of high school. I was at a church. I met a gentleman, told him I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That was my first. I want. Let me let me tell you why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah was retiring my senior year. <laughs> and so all you said the, that looks like a pretty good setup. All I saw on TV was just tributes to Oprah, how she did interviews, yeah. how she could make people cry. I was just so interested in journalism. So the gentleman heard me say he was that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And so he asked me to come over to the station and I helped, I helped him do a couple shows. So I loved it. Um, and from there I went to this, the AM station, it was either AM or FM, I don't remember, but it was um, just to keep us from not calling their names. It was a great program, great mm. station. I interviewed the mayor, Stacey Abrams, interviewed uh, Francis Johnson, interviewed our senators. I just was interviewed. It was a political talk show. Mm -hmm. It was called Something to Talk About. And Something to Talk About got the attention of an FM dial. So I went over to the FM station and was there for about maybe... Maybe a month or two, okay. and I left because the campaign started picking up. Gotcha. Yeah. And and if people are interested, they can find this stuff still. Yeah, it's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. If, if you want to, you if know, you really want to deep dive, deep dive into the stuff that I used to say on the radio. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun. I mean, it see, and, and during that time, it was it was the height of the Trump presidency. Um, Augusta was in the middle of the Regency Mall, mm. James Brown Arena talks. Mm -hmm. um, I think the state had just passed um, the hands-free law. So it was, it was so much to talk about. Right. It was so much to talk about. It was so much to talk about. In fact, you know, uh, <laughs> between wanting to be a wrestler and, oh God. Uh, you know, working for Boys and Girls Club, and then all of a sudden you had this passion to run for commission. Where did this politics background come from? Where did your, I mean, politics, there's, you got to know. It's a big You got to know stuff. And, and you got to like take the time to right. keep, in, keep and up to date. On top of right. that, local government, it's, there's a lot of nitty gritty things in there yeah. that you really have to research about. Yeah. You know, where, where did the politics come from? So wanting to become a wrestler, then a teacher, then this and that, it's, it's like, <laughs> I never really knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I think most It sounds like you really like being in front of people though. I guess so. I guess so. It I yeah, that's a good point to make. Thinking about it, it was always about now wrestling, I don't know why I want to do that. Like <laughs> I don't know why I wouldn't do that. I promise you, I don't. I had so many t-shirts ripped up trying to be Hulk Hogan. <laughs> My mom would come to me, if you rip one more t-shirt, like, mom, I'm trying to be Hogan. But I think at the end of the day, my love for politics started when I was working for a candidate okay. who pretty much just needed somebody to go knock on doors for him. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I watched him, I studied him, and I remember one time he told us to let us know if he needed something done. If you need me, let me know. Okay. 
Typically, when a politician tell you that, you know, you know what it means, but he meant it. There was an intersection on Brown Road and Old Waynesboro Road that I used to take every morning going to school. And it was a big pothole. I mean, it was horrible. My car used to get, it was terrible. Car used to fall in it. It was really bad. No exaggeration. Long story short, I got out into the middle of the intersection, took pictures of it, sent it to him. He got it paved. Well, he got it filled with gravel. Then he mm. came back and got it paved after I started complaining more about it. <laughs> the intersection's paved to this day. So my love for politics literally started with filling potholes. I never knew that I was going to be taking all of this time out of my life to fill potholes all the time. <laughs> like, it started with potholes. Can, can you say who that person was or would you rather not? Yeah, I could tell you it was, it was Corey Johnson. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 yeah, it was Corey Johnson. Corey Johnson was the first commission that I ever had one-on-one um, -on -one communication with okay. to that point. Right. Uh, Wayne Guilfoyle. Uh, Wayne Guilfoyle was the one who actually told me to get out into the intersection and take pictures. And I don't, oh, think, yeah. I don't think Wayne knew I was going to really do it. So if he's listening, <laughs> like jokes on you, Wayne, I did what, I, what you told he's me like, to do. He's like, if you're going to complain about it, why don't you I go stand in the street? I think that's what Wayne street. meant. Yeah. Yeah. There was a situation. I'm going to tell this story. And Wayne, if he's listening, oh well. Um, <laughs> there was a, a really weird situation that used to happen out in that district. And there was a woman in the middle of the night. She used to call and talk about people being under her house. And he called me one day, I was young at the time. Hey, you know, I know you really like this stuff. You like politics, you like the community. I need your help with something. I said, okay, great, Wayne, what can I do? Like I'm pulling out my handy yeah. dandy notebook, ready to go. <laughs> Give her a call and talk to her. It was such a bizarre situation. <laughs> and it was at that moment where I should have known that running for the commission would mean this for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, well, at least for the next four years. Yeah. But it was so, it was, it showed me firsthand, like, the kind of calls that a commissioner gets. She said people were under her house. So I drove by the house. It looks like a compound. I mean, it is boarded up. Mm -hmm. Nobody can get under the house. <laughs> so I called him back. I said, Wayne, what was it all about? He just started laughing. <laughs> because it showed me what being on the commission could possibly be like. But right. Corey telling me that if, I, if, I, if he could do something for me to let him know. And he stuck to his word on that. Wayne stuck to his word on that. And I said, you know what? If I'm able to do this... As a pothole, maybe I can help the homeless. Maybe we can help some of these kids. Maybe we can help these families. Had a lot of parents who didn't even have GEDs. Maybe we can spearhead something to help with those programs. And so working with those two commissioners led me to working with presidents. I mean, President Carter, his grandson, Jason. I've been in the same capacity, in the same rooms as so many people that you see on TV. Maxine Waters, Speaker Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, all these people who you, who you read about. Just this this passion for wanting to do for people somehow led me to working with them in some kind of capacity. Didn't know I was gonna run for the commission. I'm actually quoted in the Augusta Chronicle saying I will never run for the commission. <laughs> so Was that a misquote? Uh, never say never. I think that's the, uh... <laughs> obviously, I think it was a setup, but I'm, <laughs> I'm here <laughs> as I sip my water now. Right. So, so let's pivot now. We're at the point where you're on the commission in mm -hmm. our story, or actually we're really at the point where you're running for commission in 2019. And I, I would generally skip over the election, but I think it's kind of relevant to talk about how was it running for election in this crazy environment that we had at that time mm. and like what you know obviously one like you know in augusta what does a what does a normal election look like because you've had experience with that but what what was different about yours well good questions uh i don't really remember the campaign 
as much as folks would think I, I would. It's like a blink of the eye. Oh my God. I started. I know camping. you did debates though. I did. I enjoyed them. I really did. <laughs> I <laughs> um, watched them. I know you did. Were they fun? Were they fun to watch? Because they were fun to participate. They were a little fiery. They oh, were a little yeah. fiery. They got pretty heated. I watched them the on end. Facebook, so I didn't see like yeah. the in-person emotion, yeah. but I did see that they got a little fiery, especially during the runoff. Yeah, mm-hmm. runoff got kind of hot. Yeah, but I mean that's the nature of the beast, and it. I think for me, the the biggest part of me on the campaign. So I actually announced my candidacy around June of 2019 mm-hmm. the election was supposed to have been held may of 2020 got pushed back to june of 2020 because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and then august with the runoff so i had been campaigning for a year yeah um Oof. the pandemic played a major role into how i decided to campaign uh, my grandfather was one of the first COVID deaths in the nation so the whole the whole campaign to me was a blur but what i will say that stuck out to me the most was just the fact that people were excited about something different mm. We always talk about how we want young people involved in politics. We need young blood elected to office. I was running at 26 years old. I won at 27. No, let me make sure I'm telling you correctly. I won at 26 Okay. and was sworn in at 27. Okay. So, I mean, it was something different. I think people saw that, you know, hey, this young guy really means business. I don't, I don't really know that it was unique in that what we talked about was different. I just yeah. did everything that I could to share the vision for the area and for the city from a young person's perspective. And I knew that I sort of had to be that guy to start it for other young people. Because yeah. I think before me, the youngest was the same age, but was decades ago. Yeah. So I, I think that at the same time, I, I think we, we were able to do some fun things. So the campaign was pretty fun. It was different because of COVID. You couldn't get in front of people. You couldn't raise as much money as you normally would. We raised close to thirty thousand dollars in the in the in this election. Um, but it was it was difficult. It was probably by far the hardest thing I've ever done, and I don't think you have many people tell you that it was very hard. Um, being a young person running for office, I had the support of some great people. But at the end of the day, it was still a tough race, especially having five people in the race as well. It was an mm-hmm. everyday campaign. Yeah. That we did was, not sleep. That was one thing I wanted to bring up too. Yeah. There was you had the most competition out of any position. You talk about the things that you cared about. What do you think kind of set you apart? Well, I think it's kind of like um, it's just this young guy talking about politics. It's like people were watching. Mm-hmm. I, I would go to public, so I would go to Walmart, and you look familiar, aren't you? That Guy running for office? Mm-hmm. I am. You got a big button on. No, well, I would, I would not wear. I used to purposely not wear that stuff in public yeah. because I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, you the guy running for office, right? Yeah, I am. I remember one day someone said, "You the guy on that billboard?" I said, "No, I get that all the time." That's I don't know who that is <laughs> because I just didn't want to talk about it. It was like on one end you That's would see brother. me so. I, no, I just I don't know who that is. I get that all the time, ma'am. But then I would take that as an opportunity to see what they say. Oh, he's great, or he he's too young. It was hard, mm-hmm. only because number one, you're putting yourself out there for public service, but mm-hmm. you also open yourself to the attacks. You open yourself to naysayers, and all that stuff gets back to you. And at 26 years old, they tell you have tough skin, but this is the first big thing outside of behind the scenes work I've done. I've been chair of the party. I've worked with other. Politicians, but being the candidate is so different. Right. I don't think I slept. Um, there were times where I wasn't eating. Uh, it was rough. It was rough. And I only say that just to be completely transparent. Yeah. It is not easy. If you really want to do it the right way, it is not an easy thing to do. 
and and Dee Copenhaver is a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. He tells a story about when he was running for mayor and he was taken into a room by a lot of the in power people and basically told to drop out of the election because he was too young. Yeah. Did you have any moments like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Before I even went public, I went to a couple of folks telling them that I was going to run for office and some told me, um, oh, it ain't what you think it is. The one of the one one of the things that I was told was, oh, it's going to change you. You're happy now. You're just bright eyed now, but it's going to change you. It's not true. I love my job. You're not going to be effective because you're working full time. You're not going to be effective because you got to focus on building a family. Like the stuff that you that you tell all oh, you just young, you know, you ain't nothing. Uh, I even had, you know, one of my colleagues. Oh, you ain't nothing but a you know twenty seven year old kid. What? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of the reason why young people don't get involved in politics is because of the ageism that they that they they face. Isn't that interesting? Everybody says we need younger people in politics, and but now when they run, now when they run, or they just want young people that that will do what they tell them to do. Mm. And I, I think so. Kind of guy that I am, I, you know, I was purposely trying to anger some people, and I, I, I probably shouldn't admit that on the air, but oh well. Like my face, my my profile picture on Facebook was Shirley Chisholm for like a month, and then the next month it was like unbought, unbossed. I'm like, I'm trying to send a message, and and at the end of the day, it was so important to me to send that message, because number one, I wanted to remain independent. I wanted to remain independent of any political faction, of any political surgroup, because I knew that some of the work that we had to do, people were just rejecting the status quo. They were rejecting this kind of work. That race was full of that kind of stuff. It was full of factions. Mm -hmm. I stood independent of that. And I also needed folks to understand that just because someone is young does not mean that that person is not equipped to lead. I have been a leader in every capacity I've ever taken on. And the fact that I spent so much time on the campaign trail trying to explain that mm-hmm. showed me that my candidacy was relevant and that my candidacy was important. Because although I'm the first of my age, the youngest in history, I don't ever want to go down in history as being the youngest forever. I hope next cycle you get somebody 25. I mm-hmm. hope the next cycle you get someone 24. Because these mentalities, th- this is so important to me. And the thing about it was I had to stay focused, I had to focus on the campaign. It was very tough, but we did it. Well, yeah. D- yeah. District One is no joke. You've no. already mentioned that it covers all, has a little bit of a lot of different types yeah. of people, and it's in yeah. all over Augusta. It's yeah. not just downtown. Um, do you? Is it how tough is is it? I know that's an open question, but we're talking about <laughs> like to talk to all these different types of people. How transparent right. do you want me to be? That's yeah, the question. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Well, you don't sleep. Maybe no. <laughs> if, if you do your job right. Yeah. Um, there's very little time for anything else, and and I think for me, it was my first year. I, this is my first year. I wanted to make sure that I got the full rundown of what this job was about. So no, I didn't, ha- I didn't have time to pause. I didn't have time to, as folks would tell me, oh, just slow it down a little bit. You're going to burn yourself out. This first year, I'm sprinting. I need to know what this job is all about. So I know what to expect for my third, my second, third, and fourth year. Mm-hmm. And to know if I want to do this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it is very difficult to serve in a, in a district like District 1. It's the old city, lots of old infrastructure. 
lots of different factions. You mm-hmm. have poverty, you have wealth, you have new developments, you have decade-long blight, you have downtown, you have the cyber center, you have the river, but then again, you still have places that looks like war zones. Mm-hmm. It is such a different dynamic to work through. Uh, but one thing that I've realized since being on the commission is that even though these areas have different dynamics, everybody wants the same thing. They want someone to listen to their concerns. They want somebody to listen to them. They want someone to care. And they want you to pretty much be their own personal representative. And while that is the hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. while it is the hardest thing to do, it is so necessary because folks have been asking for some for certain things for decades and hadn't gotten it. Case in point, I went and met with a, a neighborhood. I like to call myself the, 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 the living room commissioner, the front porch commissioner. Because if you call me and say, I have neighbors that want to meet with you, I'm going to come sit on your porch. I'm going to come sit in your living room. We're going to sit and talk. I did that up in the Montesano area a few weeks ago. Uh, went on a walk around the whole neighborhood. They said that in 20, their 25 years of living in that neighborhood, they had never met a commissioner. Hmm. I was the first to come to the neighborhood. And that's not the first time I've heard that. So it's difficult. Um, people come to my house. I can be in the room, sleep, or watching TV. I knocks on my door. And then the weird thing about it is I open the door and there's a note on my door instead of a person. Like, you know, leave me a note or <laughs> put something in my mailbox or weirdest thing happened to me. Someone was literally sitting on my porch waiting for me to get home. But I was not angry because this was a 60-something-year-old woman being evicted out of her home. Mm. So when folks need help, they look for somebody who they think can help them. I always say that when the phone stops ringing, I may have an issue. But as long as folks are calling, as long as folks are reaching out, I think that we're doing a good job. It's not easy, but it's worth it. So I want to challenge you on something. Okay. Um, earlier in the episode, you you mentioned how important it is for you to be independent. Mm-hmm. And that makes a ton of sense because you've got people from Hepsiva, you're working with people from all from South Augusta, from all different types of Augusta and then district three, which is totally different. Right. All of them are different and you still have to get stuff done for everybody. Right. However, you also worked with the democratic party. Mm -hmm. How does that, how does that work for you? How are you able to remain independent? Well, the thing about working in party politics and then serving in a nonpartisan role on the commission is that the two don't mix. So I'm not bringing something to the commission dealing with healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like you would never hear me raise the question of stimulus checks going out to Augustans. Yeah. I would never bring up on the commission, you know, although I feel very strongly about reproductive rights, there's nothing for me to address from the commission where reproductive rights are concerned. Um, I can support those groups. I've spoken to the interfaith groups. I've spoken to Republican groups. I've spoken to all, all sorts of groups, but when, I'm working in my vein as the chair of the Democratic Party. It is to make sure that those big ticket items are addressed at the state and the federal level. Working as a local county commissioner, um, my job is to make sure that I'm addressing the everyday needs of people, that they feel every single day, the garbage pickup, the road resurfacing, the drainage, homelessness, some of the other, you know, progressive ideas that we've been trying to push from the commission, mental health. They don't really collide. And I think that folks hear that and say, well, he's serving in dual capacity as a conflict of interest. Not at all. Now, if I was chair of the Democratic Party and serving in the United States Congress or serving in the in someplace else, then that question could be brought into into play. But when I go and put my tie on, go to the commission meetings, it's usually because I'm thinking about Miss Maddie. Mm. Miss Maddie lives downtown in the East Augusta area. I'm thinking about her. 
and I'm thinking about the complaints that she has or the concerns that she has. I'm not thinking about Joe Biden. So for you, it's, so for you, <laughs> no. it's not even, you can't even, it's no. not even the same conversation. You can lead with progressive values in a nonpartisan way. Okay. You know, you can do that. You can lead with progressive values in a nonpartisan way. I think that I've shown that this year by forming the homeless task force, by working with the stepping up initiative, by doing things that are, that are progressive in nature and thought, but have no DOR attached behind it. There's no Democrat or Republican way to deal with homelessness or to deal with, you know, you know, whatever else I've been talking about or screaming about. Blight, yeah. Blight, there's no way of, how did I forget about that? Like that was early <laughs> this year. Like there's no DOR way to deal with blight. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, the roles don't mix. Okay. Are we ready to dive into some We're ready. details? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, We're ready. Uh, all right, all right. We'll be right back to talk shop with Commissioner Jordan Johnson from District 1 after this quick message from our friends at Savannah River Brewery. So over the weekend, I actually took a trip up to visit my brother Will in Bloomington, Indiana. 10-hour drive. Wasn't bad. I actually stopped halfway in Nashville to visit our friend of the show, Sean Vericali. But I'm here to tell you that Bloomington has a lot of breweries. It's one of those things where it's a no-duh. I mean, it's in Indiana universities there. But I'm here to tell you that though they were awesome atmosphere breweries, I still truly miss Savannah River Brewery. They know what they're doing. Their beer is incredible. If you have not checked out that tap room or visited their brewery, they're located on 813 5th Street, Augusta, Georgia, 30901. If you want any more information about the beers they have on tap, you can visit their website, www.savannahriverbrew.com. And honestly, if you just want to call and talk to Jim Christian, the taproom manager, 706-426-8212. Check him out. Savannah River Brewery Company. We are going to talk about some local issues. Uh, we want to kind of update people. Um, and from Chris and I's side, we're not really going to try to take any sides here. But obviously, right. you're on the mic and, and you have the opportunity to take a stand. Um, we're just going to talk about some things that are going on. Kind of get the insider scoop on it. Yeah. So we obviously know that we need a new JBA. Yes. It is in dire need. What James is Brown Arena. 40 years old. Yep. Um, really outdated. Even if people wanted to go in and patch it up, it still would not do justice. I don't think it would make it bigger. Either, it wouldn't which, make it no, bigger. Yeah. It no. wouldn't make it more attractive. No. It would just, maybe the seats could get comfier. I don't know. Right. Um, and we but, just did a vote. Yeah, we just did a vote uh, November week. 2nd. Yeah, last week. Yep. Election and, day. And, uh... It did not pass. Unfortunately. Was it 60-40, 61-39, something like that? Not, yeah. I would say the... It, 40, Turnout was 10%. 10%. 10%. Which is not I was one of anything. those. I yes. was 0.1%. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I Thank think you. that... <laughs> I was too high of a percent of the people that voted, honestly. Right, right. <laughs> I think that... Um, you know, first of all, can you talk a little bit about that? We we know that we need it. Like the backstory. The backstory. Yeah, I mean, we have been talking about the James Brown Arena for years. Yeah. I mean, so many acts pass Augusta up just because our arena can't hold them. Mm -hmm. I remember coming down to Augusta. Can I ask real quick? Yeah. What is the capacity of our arena and what's the capacity of the proposed arena? Just the proposed to give... arena was 12, 12,000 12, seats. 12,000. And ours yeah. is 6,000? Well, between, well, depending on how you set it up, you can go from six, anywhere between like six to eight. Just for some context mm -hmm. for people. Yeah. So go it ahead. was going to be a, a huge change. So many acts passed us up. I mean, the last big show I went to at the arena was probably New Edition and I was in high school. 
and they had retired by then. <laughs> you know, I think Bobby Brown was. It was yeah. I, they weren't. They were not superstars at the time. Is yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. But I did hear that folks like Taylor Swift passed us up. I heard Janet Jackson passed us up, and I love Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. I love Taylor like, Swift. Everybody loves. I love Janet. <laughs> I like Taylor Swift too. Like 1980. Like I love Taylor Swift. Um, but Janet Jackson, love her. Um, Rihanna. I hear Rihanna came to Augusta and practiced at the arena and went up to Columbia Life. Wow. Uh, Colonial Life. So I'm like, God, yeah. can you imagine if we had a Kelper here? Like, mm. that would have been perfect. Mm -hmm. So the conversation didn't just come out of nowhere. Like, some folks were trying to say that it was irresponsible because we just have all this federal money and don't know what to do with it. Federal money was not going to pay for the arena. Like, that's, that's not how that works. We didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, we want to redo the James Brown Arena. This conversation had been going on for years. Probably we, before you. Way before me. I mean, even before the, the arena conversation, you know, the, the Regency Mall conversation, yeah. before yeah. that. And that was what, two or three years ago? That's 18. Yeah. 17, 18, yeah. right mm -hmm. around that time. Three or four years ago. Yeah. 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 And, you know, so the fact is we need a new arena. Right. And people say, oh, well, we should fix the roads first. We should, you know, knock down blight first. Can we not chew bubble gum and walk at the same time? I mean, if your shoelaces are untied and your hat falls off, what do you do first? Like, <laughs> come on, you don't have to prioritize something that minute. At this point, right. we know what's on the table. At some point, we have got to move Augusta into the future. I thought that that was going to be a, a main a, a main catalyst to doing that. And certainly it's not dead. No. You know, I think yeah. that folks just rejected the property tax increase. Right. Yeah. I think that was that, that was, was pretty biggest. obviously yeah. the biggest thing against yeah. it. Yeah. And and honestly, I would say that, you know, I have a horrible habit of going on Facebook and seeing what people are saying. Chris lives on mm -hmm. Facebook. Mm -hmm. I do not live on Facebook, but I do like to hear <laughs> I, I do like to read what people are saying and uh I don't believe what they're saying, but for the most part it seemed like a lot of the people that were against the the property tax, once you started having the conversation with them, it's pretty. They're not going to go to not, a concert. They, don't, they haven't been downtown yeah, in right. 10 years. Right. Yeah. And so we're talking about asking those people to pay for it. They're obviously going to say no. Right. Um, so do you, are there any ways that y'all have talked about paying for it? Cause mm -hmm. it's yeah. obvious that everybody agrees. So, we need a new JBA, but how? Let's yeah. start with this. What does the no mean? Start with that. What does the no mean? Cause Chris is talking about alternative ways to pay. And that goes into what this no means. I, so I'll answer that question, but I'll also say that, you know, as a county commissioner, it was hard to not support that project. Right. Mm. It's in the middle of my district. It is mm -hmm. by far one of the largest projects we would have ever undertaken. But I think the no at the end of the day was a rejection of just more taxation. So it's the funding mechanism. It's the funding mechanism. Okay. The cost of living is going up. Wages are not. Mm -hmm. People are being evicted. Mm -hmm. Landlords are, you know, struggling with tenants. They're going to have to raise their rent to pay for it. Folks who are renting would certainly feel the sting of it. Everybody would feel it. So I get it. Businesses will have to pay into it. So I definitely understood the no. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, folks who lived in Atlanta had to buy, had to pay into Mercedes Benz, had to right. pay into State Farm. Yep. Wherever you live, you know, you have to pay into the pot. Agreed. But I, I definitely get it. I think that at this point, timing may have not been on our side. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that the no is a never. I think that the no is just go back to the drawing board, figure something out, bring it back to us. 
When? I don't know. But I do know that there are some opportunities to have that conversation. We've had some talks about alternative funding. I don't really want yeah. to share that to get folks' hopes up. I know some talked about SPLOST. Right. Putting yeah. money into a, into multiple SPLOST to pay for it. Sean Franham tweeted that to me. Well, <laughs> cast out the bag, Sean. I tried, <laughs> I, tried to hold your, I tried to hold your identity, but oh well, it's out the bag. All Sean, the hundred people that follow me already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one way that, you know, some folks have been talking about it. I know the Economic Development Authority have been talking about some yeah. alternative ways. And I know y'all are talking about potentially like tourism being, a, okay, so going into what Chris said, there are other ways maybe being considered to, to do this proposal again. Mm -hmm. Yes. What's the timeline on that? I have no idea. No idea. Okay. No idea. Okay. And I just kind of exhale because I'm still kind of bummed out about this. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think the Coliseum Authority will lead the charge on when we bring this back. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be up to them to really help with the narrative. They have to make sure that folks understand what's really on the table. Um, so a timeline, I don't know. I was really, I put all my hope into this Christmas present. Yeah. And now that I open it up and see that as nothing. Right. Yeah, so still a little bummed about it. But at the end of the day, it's not a never. It's just a, let's figure something else out. All right, I'm going to walk the line. Let's and do I'm going to ask you about the Coliseum Authority now. Okay. A lot of people have heard about the Coliseum Authority. And a lot of other people have told <laughs> us that they, while they would have been impactful in the process, maybe weren't included in the process. Do you know anything about that? What I do don't. you? How does the Coliseum Authority work with the community? Let's start with that question. Well, we stay. I know for a fact that we stay in communication with them. Whatever goes on, we try our best to make mm -hmm. sure that we're on the forefront. Make sure that we're right there with the folks who are leading the Coliseum Authority: Cedric, Brad, uh, Booker, Linda, Bonita, um, all the folks who are just really engaged in this community. Mm -hmm. What they do outside of their communication with us. So I will say this. During this whole arena conversation, Cedric, Brad, they took this message out to the community. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had two town halls in a breakfast. Um, Commissioner Mason had a breakfast. Commissioner Williams had a breakfast. So we were getting the information out. At all of our breakfasts, the Coliseum Authority was there. They were there. They had the markups. They had everything going on. The project manager was there. So I think that getting the message out there happened to a certain degree. Okay. Um, but as far as any other inner workings, I think that they're in the best hands. I think that Cedric and Brad are great doing what they're doing. I think that, um, you know, the folks who are running the arena, the day-to-day -day operations are doing a great job. You know, at some point, again, we just have to make sure that we're just, and we, I mean by the commission, is not yeah. getting in the way of anything. Yeah. But we also, as a community, support something good when something good pops up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. There's no winning. No. There's no winning with no. that job. Not at all. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we can we can tiptoe away from this. Um, <laughs> there's other things going on we want to talk about. Okay. Um, do you have anything, Chris? Yeah. You want? I know you do. I see it on his Chris face. Yeah. Mr. Chris does a, a program for us at the end of every episode called Around Augusta. Okay. Where he talks about different things going on, developments, yeah. uh, news, and he tries to communicate to people what's real and what's not. So he's very qualified for this conversation, and right. I'm, I'm the mouthpiece. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm curious. One of the other things that have come up recently is um, the deteriorating buildings, dilapidated buildings. That Love are this topic. Facade, the blight, the blighted facades. Yeah, the facades yeah. downtown. And obviously there's blight everywhere, unfortunately. And you've talked a lot about that, especially in District 1. But 
for people to see it walking on Broad Street, um, the way I look at it, I don't know. I'm not in commercial real estate. David has some whoa, some whoa, real whoa, estate. Whoa, whoa. David has some real estate, but it's more of a situation where I'm thinking, even if we had all these opportunities of business coming downtown. In fact, we've had uh, Michael Schaffer on, and he's talked about this last week on our episode. And uh, how how is someone supposed to rent or lease or buy buildings that are dilapidated? Yeah, and is there anything that we're doing to fix that and yeah. keep the owners responsible to keep maintaining these buildings? And I know that yeah. you did. Uh, David Peltier, one of our friends of the show, has told me that Ooh, there, David, <laughs> that there is a there is a Love recent, you, David. recently a blight ordinance yeah. that has been this year mm -hmm. new. Can you tell us about that and how does that apply to everything that I just Take said? Take a look at this picture. All right. So if you go to my Send Facebook, us this so we can post. I sure this. will. Okay. This was a this vacant lot. Was a, was a house back in the spring. I stood on this porch and gave an interview to WJBF, WRDW, and Fox from the porch of this home when we signed the Black Ordinance that morning. That house is gone now. Mm -hmm. Every house in that area that was there for that groundbreaking, for that ordinance signing, is gone. Not only in that area, in areas around it, those houses are gone. So... That was the biggest, the biggest campaign talking point for me. Yeah. My biggest platform item was blight reduction. I remember that. I announced my campaign in front of a blight at home, wearing a suit. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, in, I was in front of a blight at home, wearing a suit, talking about blight. Only have like three people standing behind me. <laughs> but that was so important to me. So Mayor Pro Tem, Bobby Williams, he wasn't the Mayor Pro Tem at the time, but District 5 Commissioner, Bobby Williams, mm -hmm he suggested that we write a blight ordinance. And I'm so grateful for his leadership because when I got sworn in, the first thing he did was call me in. He said, look, I know this is something that's important to you. He said, I want you in on the conversations. Let's roll with it. So we had workshops. We were talking about how we wanted the blight ordinance to look. Um, the tax commissioner, the deputy tax commissioner, the land bank, Hawthorne Welch's office, a lot of us got together and formed a blight task force. So we were meeting like once a month, sometimes twice a month, talking about blight, how to centralize all of these services. So this is like a committee. It, yeah, it was. Okay. It was. The blight task force has not met recently, but that the ordinance came out of this whole conversation around okay. blight. Okay. How do we apply ad valorem tax to, to property owners who aren't responding to our call to do mm. something? Yeah. How do we do this without, you know, seemingly be heavy handed bullies? How mm -hmm. do we do this? And they reward people for doing the right thing. How do we do this and not have to go through two or three different departments just to figure out who to call to get something done? Right. You'd be amazed that yeah. to cut a lot, you might have to go to two, through two or three different departments. Yeah. Like, come on. That's frustrating. Oh yeah. my God. I before E except at the C and so, so. like it's just these weird <laughs> grammar rules that make no sense. Why are we going through different departments to knock down one home or to cut one property? Mm -hmm. So to your point, when the blight ordinance was passed, I think it was the biggest moment in Augusta's history. And we 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 did not celebrate it the way that we should have. The fact that we have so much blight in this city, so much blight in this city. 
It took us this long to get a comprehensive blight ordinance on the books, on the docket. It says something. I was so proud to have worked on that. What does it say? So I get into the nuts and bolts of it. Okay. If you are an absentee landlord, say you own a house on Jordan Johnson Boulevard. Speaking that Speaking into existence. Speaking into existence. There you go. <laughs> if you own a home on Jordan Johnson Boulevard and now the home is completely deteriorated and it looks mm -hmm. ridiculous, City of Augusta will go out and do an inspection. We'll send you a note and say, listen, you need to do something about this. Prior to the ordinance, it took up to maybe two years for something to get done. Wow. Now, 60 to 90 days, you have got to respond. The letter that we send out, so say you have a vacant lot, you want to go cut the lot. You have two weeks to respond to that, or we're going to come in and cut the lot and bill you for it. With the black ordinance, you have to fix the window, mm -hmm. board the house up, address whatever we say you need to address. If you don't get it done, you get taxed. You get an ad valorem tax, a tax based off of the assessed value of that property will be put onto your end of your tax bill times seven. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not kind of said it. Oh, that weird. makes sense. So yeah. if, my eyes got big. That's how I, that's how you know it makes sense. It and if you don't do anything with it, not only do you get a penalty, but now you're having to go through court and you you more likely won't win. And Bef before uh, people start thinking that's wrong for the gov local government to do, let me give y'all all a an example. It's not wrong at all. <laughs> uh, it's not, but you'll you'll but hear them. You. You'll hear them say yeah. it's wrong, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We friend of the show, Chris Bailey. He's been doing. He owns Le Chat Noir off mm -hmm. 8th Street. He's been doing a lot of renovations inside, and one of his walls has a leak. And it's not his, it's the building next door. Mm -hmm. And the owner will not do anything. So he's constantly pouring money into his place to patch up what the next door owner place is doing. Or there's rats coming in or an yeah. AC unit is busted. I mean, if that if if that owner's place burns down and takes his with him, yeah. there's nothing he can do about yeah. it. And so for those of you that are out there thinking this is wrong, you can't do it, no. Government's in my business. No, yeah, no, like, no. It's time. No. It's time because e we're now we now need to move on to the Broad Street facade. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing about it too is that this ordinance doesn't apply to 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 uh, occupy structures. So we're not coming and bothering the little old lady who's not able to keep up her property because gotcha. she doesn't have the income. We have programs through housing and community development that will help her with her home. Right. So that argument doesn't stand. And, and here's something else that I want folks to understand too. The money that, so again, Augusta's just not filthy rich. The money that we collect based off of that that extra, that, that oh, no, no, go do something, the ad valorem, yeah. that money goes into a program to help us knock down these homes. For the first time in our history, we have actually fully funded blight remediation at $2 million. Wow. That, that will help us not only clear up our backlog, but it will help us reserve funds to then move forward. Like that is so monumental and right. we're not even talking about it. So to your point of Broad Street, we're making a list. We're checking it twice. <laughs> we're going to find out who's naughty and nice. Right. It's time. <laughs> when I can walk up Broad Street and look into a window and look up and see the roof, see the sun, see the clouds. Right. Yeah. Or see bird's nest or see people's belongings. You, you should be held accountable for that. I Absolutely. think at the blight, no, I don't think I know at the blight ordinance signing, I said that that the ordinance signing uh, pretty much sends a message that folks can't hold our community hostage anymore. 
Because honestly, that's exactly what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it's so frustrating to see that, especially when you hear all the people that say downtown's abandoned. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not they the same downtown those, that it was before. The, those yeah. those buildings are owned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing here is, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't know who's calling who. But what I do know is that we made a, a honest effort to pass legislation to address an issue that we all care about. And now we're in the phase of enforcing that legislation. The fact is, if you have a property and you're not doing something with it, and it is a nuisance to this community, it's best that you start working on that property. Right. And the thing is, if you do work on the property, you get incentivized. You actually get a cut on those yeah, taxes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk okay. about the sunshine and rainbows yeah. side of this too. Yeah. Like what kind of incentives are y'all building in? How, how do you help people? It's a redevelopment incentive program. So the actual title of the ordinance is not blight ordinance. Right. It's not that. Can't pass a, you can't pass something with no, that name. No, it's, it's an incentive <laughs> program. It's an incentive ordinance, which pretty much says, if you don't do, we're going to pop you on the wrist. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we get your attention. Mm -hmm. But if you do actually fix your properties, you qualify for so much. You quali you, so if I, if I wanted to get a loan or something to go out here and fix up one of my old buildings, mm -hmm. I might qualify through the city now. Um, so the city's helping people with loans. Through housing and community development, there there are a number of loans and grants that you can get to do facade fixtures. And grants. Yeah. I think that's something people don't know about. Yeah. There's so much out here that, that we've put in place yeah. to help you get your business in order, to help you with some of these nuisances. If you're elderly, so for instance, again, if you're an elderly person and you can't afford to keep, keep your house renovated, we will actually help you do that. That's so pretty crazy. We are doing more to incentivize people than we are to punish people. Is, is there anywhere where people can find this information? The best place to go is to the uh, AugustaGA.gov, our city website, mm -hmm. and go to the housing and community development portion of that of that website. Excellent. Okay. And um, there's grants, there's loans, all that kind of stuff. There's even information on your tax commissioner's page talking about the different different exemptions that you... Mm -hmm. like, there's so many rewards that we're offering residents to just simply do the right thing. And that is... It just hadn't been done before. That came out through the... Like legislation. I think that this is a really important conversation because when I see conversation about the blight, it's either punish people or help people. Right. It's always somebody saying punish people and it's always somebody else saying help people. And it's always both of those people acting like you can't do both at the same right. time. Right. So I think it's important that people do hear that, that it is both. It's, we will give you a break on those taxes if you just do the right thing. And I know <laughs> on residential, on residential side, I don't know about downtown. But I know on the residential side, a lot of the empty blighted properties, the people that own them do not live in Augusta. No. And they don't care about what it's doing to the neighborhood. Yeah. You're talking about somebody in California, New York, who had an investment property 20 years ago, got right. old and stopped maintaining it. Or the original homeowner died and the children are now owning it and the right. children don't want it or they died and didn't have a will. Right. And so now you have to thumb through the legal side of all of this. But 30 years? That's 40 crazy. Years, yeah. I have never in my lifetime have seen the Shiloh, the Shiloh neighborhood up to standard. I've never in my lifetime seen Turpin Hill and the avenues, the Grand Boulevard area up to, up to standard. Mm -hmm. Never. You're 28 years old on the 14th of November. Never seen it. So for at least 30 years. Oh, happy, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. I can't hey. wait to get out of town. Yeah. I happy cannot birthday. wait. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. But you know, it's, 
I've never seen it. Yeah. And I know at one point in time, it was the complete opposite. Yeah. So the point is, we want to make sure that we are incentivizing people to do the right thing so that we can then redevelop. That's, okay. that's the goal. So let's talk about some other issues. Sure. Let, maybe, maybe they won't need as much conversation. Maybe they will. We'll see. We don't care. Um, <laughs> me? Okay. Go for it. Um, I want to talk about, so here's some background on our show. Okay. Our show was born really aside from at my kitchen table which that's a longer story but our store our our show was born when chris and i tried to leaf through the articles that the corps of engineers had filed regarding the downtown watershed uh and to try to understand the plans and i don't know if we're dumb but we had no idea what we were reading bro that that <laughs> article made no sense and, and so our first episode our first interview was with Tanya Bonatadovich, the riverkeeper, talking about uh, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to revisit that because I still think to this day, basically nothing has happened to that. W what's going on with the watershed? I know it's still a conversation. Yeah. Well, I would love to see that article myself. <laughs> because if it didn't make sense to you, and I think you're a pretty smart guy. It was, it was like plan um, 1.12. One it, it was done by the Corps of Engineers. Yeah, it, it was, was not an article. An it was a book. Of course. <laughs> I mean, and that even goes into the whole conversation about lowering the levy. Right, right. I, I cannot right. figure out for the life of me why North Augusta does not need a levy, and we do. <laughs> Some folks tell me up in Washington that it was because Augusta side flooded more than the North Augusta side. I get it. But when you're talking about redeveloping this city, making Augusta a better place, making way for cyber, making way for millennials, making way for just the future, mm. I think you should be able to see your river from the street. I think you should be able to go to the riverfront and enjoy everything that you should get on the riverfront. You should be able to enjoy your water. You should be able to enjoy entertainment. You should be able to enjoy all those things. So, so while I know you, there's are you some, a whitewater rafting supporter? I'm, I would support it, but I'm not going to get out there and do no whitewater rafting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I respect that. So my, my whole thing is whatever gets people in that water, mm -hmm. whatever gets people to the riverfront. All of the technical and operational issues, I think they're all pointing to one thing. And at the end of the day, that is the future of this riverfront. Mm -hmm. If we develop the river, downtown Augusta immediately blossoms, immediately blossoms. So I just think that some folks should just get out of the way. Because when we're talking about the riverfront, we're talking about the watershed, we're talking about the dam, we're talking about at the end of the day, goes back to the arena conversation. What's going to keep people in Augusta? You want riverfront homes? We don't have riverfront homes. We have levee front homes. Mm. <laughs> so like, what are we going to do? Who are we going to talk to? Who are we going to work with to make sure this riverfront is actually an attraction? So that's your stance is whatever we do, <laughs> we need to develop it. I think that we're past due time to develop the riverfront. I think that the vision for the riverfront has not been completely fulfilled. I know that Pop Newman and Mayor Ed McIntyre and Bob Young and Charles Devaney, they all had their own idea for the riverfront. Mm -hmm. um, all the names that are on those placards out there had a vision for the riverfront. But I don't think that we continued completely with what we should have done with that riverfront. I think the Fifth Street Bridge project is amazing. I think that it has the potential to be amazing. Expanding the Augusta Commons out to the riverfront will be amazing. Mm -hmm. Let's get a Ferris wheel down there while we're at it. Let's let's take this. I'm so serious. I would love a Ferris wheel on the riverfront. It'd be pretty cool. It sure would be. Let's take that Fort Discovery property, some of the property along the riverfront that's getting ready to be available. 
Let's have some retail. Let's have some nice sit down shops. I would love to be able to sit down and have dinner on the river. I would love to be able to go to a lounge or a bar on the river because yes, I'm a commissioner. I like to go out and have fun. Right. I would love News to flash. go, you know, breaking news <laughs> when you have time, when I have time, you know, I'm not at home knitting sweaters. <laughs> like I want to go to the riverfront because number one, that's go to San Antonio, go to Chattanooga, right, go right, to Savannah. The riverfront right. is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So I will hope that we would come to the table and start having some real riverfront development pl- uh, plan conversations to include everything from the Corps of Engineers down to the County Commission. I want everybody involved in this conversation. How much how much sway does the commission have uh, when it comes to that? Because we're talking about oh, the Corps of Engineers. Um, we could have all these plans, and then the Corps of Engineers says no. Yeah. I mean, I think we have some pretty good players at the table right now. Have you been following what's going on with the lock and dam? Like, they're negotiating and, and having great talk. I and mean, originally, that was not thought right? that it was going to happen. Right. That's true. The commissioners who are representing us are doing a fantastic job. Um I think that at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. How do we go about getting it done? I don't think that the Corps of Engineers are, are this big set of big bad wolves that that you know we're having to run from. I just think that whatever we do, we have to make sure it makes sense to every party involved. Anyone that starts talking about riverfront development is going to automatically get a headache because of all of the stuff involved in it. The yeah. property owners, the core, yeah. the government, everything, public input. So I think that to your, to your question, how much sway we have, I mean, you can see that being played out right now with some of the projects that we're proposing. So I think at the end of the day, we just have to really stay focused on the bigger picture and get yeah. the right people at the table. Same thing, reason them all. Get the right people at the yeah. table. It's not, I'm not going to say it's not that hard to do because I'm not at the table right now <laughs> with Regency Mall. But some of these things, you just have to know how to negotiate. We'll be right back with more with Jordan Johnson from District 1 and some Augusta talk. But first, uh, we're talking about Augusta. We're talking about developments. And so this is a great time for us to talk about our friends at the clubhouse. A lot of people talk, and, and you've probably heard about Augusta being, you know, cyber city. And uh, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that means. And, you know, that one thing that that does mean is that there's going to be a bunch of jobs in the cyber industry coming to Augusta, and we need to be ready. The clubhouse is helping Augusta and our citizens to be ready through their job training programs. Uh, If you are considering a second career or maybe you're considering a career in cyber, you're trying to make a decision, you're not exactly sure what to do, check out their coding boot camp. They've been running this program for a few years where they're educating people in the CSRA of how to get careers in cyber and the job skills that you need to do so. If you want to learn more about their programs and what they're doing for our community, visit them online at theclubhow.se and check out their Make Startups program at makestartups.com. All right, so let's flip the script and do some good news. Right. I want to thank you for letting us kind of, you know, grill you a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, we do know all of the things that we just complained about. They are your fault. Uh, 100%. <laughs> the um, buck stops with me. The right? buck stops with you. It's entirely your fault. Um, yeah. And then yeah. so, you know, we are very mad, but we're going to move on. <laughs> yes. And we want to, we want to end this on a really high note. Gotcha. So what we want to do is from the insider, from the guy that knows about the developments and, and the future planning of the city, which you are one of those people, I think we want to talk about some cool projects that sure. people may not know about maybe update some things like the fifth street bridge that people can get excited for that kind of stuff. Yeah. What you got for us? Well, um, downtown is always my favorite topic because that's where people 
that's where they flock to. Yeah. So I think uh, I know earlier we were sort of talking about the Lamar building. Mm-hmm. My mom used to work in that building when she did home health nursing. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think it was like the 14th floor or seventh floor or something like that. It was a creepy looking building on the inside <laughs> and on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the plans that I've heard about so far to turn that into living space, office space, retail space, it's going to be amazing for the downtown area. There's still some items that we're working on that. Um, are not as attractive. There's still some apartment complexes that are, you know, operating a slum, slum developments that mm-hmm. we're having to go after. Um, some in your downtown area. Mm. Um, when you really sit back and, and listen to the amount of horror stories that people bring to you about their living conditions, you know, it, I've literally spent my first year dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess that's good news because we're getting ready to actually move in on some of these properties. Um, one pro- one project that I'm extremely proud of right now is the um, East Augusta Drainage Project for the Brunswick Avenue and the Albany Avenue okay. area. That's a project that every District 1 commissioner has to deal with. The flooding <laughs> in East Augusta has been going on since, yeah. since its inception. And I'm just, I'm proud to say that the last portion of that drainage is going to be solved within the next year. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. First, I, I'm, listen, the bags that you see under my eyes are really caused by that. Um, we've been working tremendously to keep people in their homes, keep them from being evicted. Mm-hmm. We've helped thousands of, of folks stay in their homes, get rental assistance. I'm really proud of that. Um, Sand Hills is a historic African-American neighborhood up in the Somerville area that I have seen some decline over the past couple of decades. Um, first quarter 2022, around January, we're going to, take the master plan for redevelopment to the commission for approval. Commissioner Lee Beard was the main catalyst around that project before he passed away uh, uh, 2004, if I'm not mistaken. He started that plan and it's passed away. It's been going on for a while. Absolutely. Um, some of those efforts were changed, went to other places, but I'm Commissioner Lee, Lee Beard is my political idol. Okay. So I kind of feel good to be able to carry this project out in his memory. So... That makes me that makes me happy. On my wall in my office, I have a picture of Lee Beard and Ed McIntyre, Willie Mays, Carrie Mays, Willie Mays, BL Dent. You know, <laughs> all of the folks that are just just amazing individuals. I gotta see this wall. I will show it to you after we leave here. You can walk to my office. That's right. Yeah, I gotta on. see this wall. Like, okay, I, I love it. Um, it's just really paying homage to those who came before me. Okay, but uh, that's a positive thing. Um, we amended our smoking ordinance. That was a hot topic. To a that was office. a hot topic. You know, no pun intended. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of smoke, folks. <laughs> folks chose, folks chose violence. <laughs> you know, it was not an easy process. But the first cigar lounge in the city opened uh, last weekend. What's it called? It's called Icons. Oh, I think that's within walking distance of my house. Maybe so. I could be wrong. Maybe so. But I think it is. Yeah, off of North Lake. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we're moving in the right direction, I think, on some of these big ticket items. We okay. are getting ready to light the city up with street lights. That's great. Our budget is going to, you know. That's something I have not heard anything about. Right. Well, we have to have the money to do it. Right. And we're, we're going to be using some American Rescue Plan dollars to take care of that. Um, not only that, but we raised our minimum wage for city employees. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some other initiatives that's going to be coming down the line to help folks, uh, particularly mothers with children. Um, one of the biggest things I'm extremely excited about, and I should have said it first, I don't know how I missed it, is the Homeless Task Force. Mm. Um, Tell us I, about that. Oh, yeah, what is that? All right. 
You want some transparency again? Yeah. Huh? yeah. Okay. It is probably the. I see why folks probably didn't want to make it a um, a big deal because of the capacity that it requires. We we formed the homeless task force back in February when Willie Walker was found frozen to death on the steps of one of our local nonprofits. No indictment to that local nonprofit. Willie was just stubborn and he didn't want to go to the shelter. And he was also sick as well with some other things. But that night was one of the coldest nights in our city and he died. Uh, you had another homeless man die due to hypothermia on the 13th Street Bridge. So we understood that we had an issue. One of the first things we did was turn May Park into a warming center. We're going to do that again. The Homeless Task Force exists to address homelessness. How do we respond to homelessness? How do we get folks services that they need? How do we get people housed? This conversation about affordable housing is real. The conversation about rent going up is real. And the homeless is just kind of floating in rotation with all of this stuff going on. So the transparency is that this is tough. Mm. The reality of it is, it is probably the most important thing I've worked on this year outside of the black ordinance. Mm. Because folks literally have nowhere else to go. I mean, that's not even counting the folks who are living in their cars or living with their relatives. What this task force sets out to do is to address poverty in the city. I mean, and my district is full of it. When you really think about that, most city councils or county commissions or governments don't really address that. But to take on poverty, again, I can see why folks are like, you sure you really want to get into this? Absolutely. Because if not us, who? If not now, when? So I'm extremely proud. The commission is going to see the plan for the first time, either before the end of the year or at the top of the new year. But it's going to change this community. I think we're going to get, I know that we're going to get people housed. You're going to hear success stories. The last plan that was passed was almost 20 years ago. And there were 29 homeless people on the street at the time. How many do we have now? We have close to a thousand. Wow. So I'll say it this way. There are 500 that we had around the point in time count, about 400 in the school system. There's about five, about about 50,000 people. Um, and we only have about 26, maybe 30 affordable housing units to put people in. And that's actual places, mm -hmm. not complexes, actual rooms. Yeah. So... You know, it's a heavy lift, but at the end of the day, it's so it's so worth it because even throughout the, the planning process, we've put people in homes. We've gotten people into housing, put them in hotels for a little while. We've we've been getting things done. So it's tough. It's really tough because, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to solve homelessness. A year from now, you're going to say, Jordan, there's still homeless people on the street. What happened? Well, we're not going to get everybody. Right. But we have to put in a framework to solve the issue, mm -hmm. uh, to at least address it in a 21st century way. And that's what we're doing. So I'm proud. Those are some of the nice things happening outside of the redevelopment of downtown, lofts opening, yeah. extended stays opening. Like so much excitement happening in the city right now. It's hard to name them all. But I know just from a perspective of what I've been stomping for hard, we're doing good work. And I'll also leave you with this. Okay. Dice Park on 9th Street, Laney Walker Boulevard, mm -hmm. uh, 9th Street and, and Walton Way. Mm -hmm. It's a park, Dice Park, very underutilized mm -hmm. just because of how undeveloped it is underdeveloped it is well first quarter 2022 we're going to be bringing the neighborhood together to go ahead and finalize the plans to redevelop the park and the goal is to have that park serve as sort of augusta's lady a park interesting really so i'm so excited to see how that how that plays out uh, so that's like a big deal it definitely is right that's next huge. to the james project yeah it's, it's going to be monumental it's going to do some good things for the city 
So I'm excited. Wow. A lot of that good things happening. That is also something. Is. So, I'm sure you're also very excited about the uh, new Boys and Girls Club coming. Oh, man. I already, I actually, of course. driving down Calhoun, I saw it already. Steel is coming up. It's There's amazing. already some sort of skeleton. Listen, Kim Evans is just amazing. She's amazing. Out of all of the nonprofit leaders in this city, I'm a nonprofit leader in this city. Like, I'm the ED of a nonprofit. Kim is by far the best. And I think she has a great, vision for Boys and Girls Club, a great vision for our kids. Mm. And I just can't wait to see what comes out of that project. I think my, my top three favorite will probably be like Kim Evans, Lauren Dallas, you know. I just love folks who have vision. People right. who know what they know and they just, they operate in their vein. So I'm excited about that and I I'm can't sure. wait to be there for the ribbon cutting. Don't go anywhere. After the break, we asked Jordan to drop the disc question. But first, here's a cool announcement about an event going on very soon in Columbia County. We've got an event coming up called I'm With The Band. And basically it is a karaoke contest with a live band. We held open auditions back about a month ago and we narrowed it down to six finalists. So you're gonna have kind of a, it's kind of a um, American Idol obviously, yeah. but it's a little bit different because we're going, the winner's gonna get $5,000. It's gonna be December 2nd okay. at the new Columbia County Performing Arts Center. We're real happy about that. You know, I will note, we didn't have this uh, last year, obviously. We right. had it. 2019 was the first year that it was held. And so this year, uh, we after taking a year off, we kind of reevaluated the way the event was done, and we changed a few things, like the open auditions that we had a, a month or so ago. And I mean, we had people from Carolina and Georgia and Atlanta and all over the place that came and wow. auditioned for this. Um, and I can tell you, these six, just like Emma said, after first rehearsal this past Sunday was, you know, it was ridiculous. These guys are great. And I'd love to tell you who they are. Go for it. We just announced them, but I'm going to tell you here today, we've got Miss Ansley Wiggins, Caroline Boast. <laughs> I love this. Deani Avery, Elizabeth Fitzgibbon, Shakia Chanel, and Mr. Francis Batad. And I'm going to tell you the, the music selections, they've already picked their songs. There's a mixture of music genres. There's rock, there's country, there's everything. And these guys are, it's a live band, Whiskey Run. We want to thank Very Whiskey cool. Run. Very the cool. guys are going to be the backing band. And, uh, you know, of course, they're awesome. And these folks are going to get up and front that band for two songs apiece. Oh. I can tell you, it's going to be a top, top-notch event. For more information about this event, listen to our episode that we recorded with the Byrne Foundation. And to support them, go ahead and get a ticket now. They start at only $15. Okay. Are we, are we... Are we content? Are we? Are we? I think are we, we are, good? and I do. I do want to. Are we content with the content? Well, I, I, if our listeners are not, please send us an email to ask. <laughs> any, we'll, we'll bring them back on. Part Drop two. the disc pod at gmail.com. Can I dispel a rumor? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not running for mayor. Okay. And, I, and I'll I'll dispel that because it was put into one of the one of the political pages, and mm -hmm. someone screenshotted and sent it to me. No, I'm not. It's a little late to declare your candidacy. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy right now. Okay. But I want to put that out there because I saw that it was in one of those groups. And when stuff gets out in those groups, even if it's not true, it it just, it, it gets loud. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to spell that to your listeners. I'm sure some of your listeners are in those groups. Sure. It's not happening. And honestly, and this is the outside looking in based on people we've talked to, but we're a, we're a weak mayor system. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe a commissioner of a district could 
be louder could than, get more done and get more done than our weak mayor system can. I think that having a strong commission and having a mayor with vision is going to be important. The mayor is going to have to provide that vision and direction for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that whoever becomes mayor in 2022, mm-hmm. um, sworn in in 23, will have the ability to, to, to give a gust of vision. I really do think so. Who am I supporting right now? I, it's not even 2022 yet. I don't want to start talking about that. <laughs> but what I do know is that there's some great can. I mean, Stephen Kendrick, gosh. Yeah. Stephen Kendrick is probably one of the best visionaries that we can point to right now. Garnett Johnson, a wonderful businessman. Yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, Marion Williams. I mean, you can't talk about the Augusta Commission without talking about Marion Williams. Dennis Williams, a great friend of mine. Charlie Hanna, another great friend of mine. Lori Miles, respected educator. You're going to have some people who jump in this race. And I think that at the end of the day, we should be looking for people who have vision for the city. Mm. We should be looking at people who have done the work mm-hmm. before they decide to run for office. You know, my girlfriend, Janet Jackson says, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> like, ask those questions. But I think that we have some great candidates. And at the end of the day, um, the best man or the best woman will win. And leading the city into the future is going to be so important. And I think okay. that we have great candidates who can do that. Okay. Awesome. I have nothing else to say. Okay, well, we have one more we question one that more we question. have to ask you. We do have one then. more question. And we did ask this question to you in a different way during the, the candidate, oh the commissioner gosh. candidate But this will be, this will I, be I think, a that. different opportunity. Oh, to kind Don't of, worry, don't okay. worry. So we ask every guest on the show a question at the end, the same question. Um, and we're here dropping the disc from Augusta. The Drop the Disc question is sponsored by Trainer Gray Media. And... By far the best media company in Augusta, Georgia. I'm here to tell you guys right now, they were superb live streaming and creating a promo video for Augusta Rocks and our concert series. I am not gonna tell y'all again. If you need to have marketing for your business or for your brand, you've gotta check out Trainer Gray Media. You can go to their website simply at trainergray.com or you can go visit them at 4075 Evans Locks Road, Evans, Georgia, 30809. You can also reach them at 706-731-8416. Give them a call. Talk to them about your plan. They'll build that vision board for you, and they'll bring it to life. Trainer Gray. If someone were to walk up to you and talk negatively about the city of Augusta, what would you tell them? Well, as a candidate, I probably said something nice. <laughs> as a sitting commissioner, I'm I wish not, we had that pulled up. <laughs> we could listen I to probably it. wouldn't even entertain it. Um, I get it. You know, I really do. If you've been in the city for as long as we have been and you hadn't seen much change, you may not think that change is happening. Right. But people like us and people who care are so important to putting the whole piece, the whole puzzle of Augusta together. Because we can't develop a great city without people who really want to see it done. So, you know, people come and talk negative to me about the city all the time, especially with the just past James Bryan Arena conversation. We should do this first. We should do that first. I get it. What I would say is that, you know, get involved. Come meet your commissioners. Come talk to your commissioners. Join an organization. Do something. Because at the end of the day, the future of the city does not depend on the commission. It does not depend on any elected official. It depends on the people who live here. It depends on how much noise they make. It depends on how much action they they take. So if you don't like Augusta, 
before you leave and, and make Atlanta congested or before you leave <laughs> and go to Charlotte, how do you work on your city? That's what I did. I did not leave Augusta. I rolled up my sleeves. I went to work. I'm in office. I have bags, like crow's feet, <laughs> but it's so worth it. I can't it. even see them. Well, I just got my hair cut today. <laughs> like, it's worth it. So if, 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 if you don't like Augusta, okay, let's work together and make it a better place. Because mm -hmm. certainly all the resources that we need are here. We just got to cultivate it. Yeah. We're here. So as an elected official, that's my answer. <laughs> I appreciate and, it. And, <laughs> so Jordan, you're on the commission. You guys meet on Tuesdays. Yes. Yeah, that's like all day thing, right? Not anymore. Not, not anymore? No. Not anymore? No, no. So our committee meetings are a little longer because yeah. if an item, uh, items go through committee for purpose of debate, for purpose of thinning, right. thinning through the details. Just like Congress. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Theoretically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> and then it goes to the main commission for approval. Yeah. Commission meetings only last now probably maybe two or three hours. Okay. Maybe, maybe that long. Okay. I mean, we try to get everything done in committee. So when we come to the floor of main commission, it's just a matter of consent items and moving on. Okay. The commission does not fuss and argue like people say that we do. All the commissioners can't get along. We all get along with each other very well. That was, that's <laughs> actually getting to the question I want to ask you. Yeah. Uh, out of the commissioners, who are some people that are kind of fun that help you get through the, the long meetings? Brandon Garrett. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I see your Twitter exchanges with him. <laughs> well, only I because I, I sit next to Brandon. Okay. And so we're either snatch, snapping pictures of each other, <laughs> like rolling our eyes or something and putting it on Twitter or something. Brandon is really a fun guy to sit next to in those meetings, <laughs> especially when Sean is down there rubbing his eyes and we're picking on him. <laughs> or we look down and Dennis Williams, trying, we're trying to mile something to Dennis and he's looking at us. Or I'll get up and go whisper something in Ben Hassan's ear and make Ben laugh. It's just like, it's so easy to get frustrated on the commission. Sounds like y'all get along though. We do. We do. Like, we really do. It's easy to get frustrated, but it's it's even easier for us to come together and just laugh it off and keep moving. We're not going to grow on everything, but I love sitting next to Brandon. I love Francine Scott. Love Francine Scott. What about John Clark? John is funny. <laughs> I ask because he's always doing the interviews. Yeah, John is John is funny. John is a wrestling fan, so we went to uh, Maryland. I think I could have guessed that. Yeah, we went to rest. We went to Maryland for a conference, and that's all he and I talked about was was wrestling <laughs> and his time playing his guitar and yeah. his time in the band. John's a really good guy. You get to know him. Again, we don't agree much politically, but yeah. at the end of the day, we have a shared interest in wrestling, and we always talk about wrestling. <laughs> Always talking about wrestling. Um, I, I just think that we all have things. And I love arguing football with Bobby Williams. It's so funny because he's a old, he's a coach, and it's like I don't watch sports like that, but I like to just bother him. <laughs> you know, it's just so we have such a such a good dynamic on the commission to where when you come down and you see us doing business, you would think, oh, they hate each other. Mm -hmm. But no, catch us in the parking lot, or you know, we have fun with each other. Yeah, we have fun with each other. Who and and who on the commission do we need to bring on next? Oh, I don't know. Get them all in. <laughs> eventually, get oh, them okay, all in. Okay, eventually. Okay. No, 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 not at once. No, no. I, I think that again, the commission is is a good body of people who mean well, mm. and it's not easy making decisions for a city. It's not easy being on the in the legislative branch of this government. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty fun. 
are y'all's, are y'all's meetings public? Yeah. Can people watch them? Absolutely. They can watch them on our city website, AugustaGA.gov. They can watch it on our city's YouTube page. City now has a YouTube page. <laughs> I love that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> our YouTube page. Um, Moving up. Yeah. You can even come down to the chambers. So come on. Okay. Yeah. If well, you want to fuss at us, you can get on the agenda and fuss at us. We'll listen. <laughs> you can get on the agenda. Oh, yes, so, you can. Someday in the future, we do want... Drop the disc day. We, we want to drop the disc uh, <laughs> event where we have commissioners there for people to ask a question publicly, and kind of like a ta- town hall. But you With can't beer. call you can't call a town hall meeting for millennials, no, or, or yeah. younger, yeah. or they even people. Yeah. yeah, no, you got to call like a like you got to have it back. You got to have beer, kickback, yeah, kickback or you know, kickback with a, the commission, a kegger or something like that. You yeah, know, they won't come to a town hall meeting. That, that's too serious. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only nerds that go to a town hall meeting. <laughs> yeah, you're already there. We had an event at the uh, right. We had an event at. Uh, we were invited to an event, a community event. They actually put me in the Duncan booth. That's awesome. And state representative Gloria Frazier, as sweet as she is, love her dearly. There was a line full of kids. <laughs> she cut the line full of kids and just come and press the button and dunk me. <laughs> Commissioner Scott stood in line and dunked me. So it was, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We're trying to, which we try to create a different vibe on the commission. Yeah. Politics can be fun if you make it fun. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jordan Johnson, commissioner of district one. Yes, sir. Newly elected youngest commissioner. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. This has been fun. Thank you for all the hard work you're doing. Too. I appreciate yeah. you. Seriously. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It's all for the people. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to the Drop the Disc podcast. We really do appreciate it. And we really do appreciate those that leave comments and reach out to us with uh, suggestions for future guests, feedback on the kinds of topics they want to hear from, and literally anything else. Reach out to us uh, whenever you want at dropthedispod at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media, Drop the Disc Pod. We're pretty consistent there. Stick around. Don't go anywhere because... Chris's program, Around Augusta, is going to start right now. Hey guys, this is Chris with Around Augusta. For those of you that aren't familiar about what this segment is, this is just an opportunity for myself to talk about really whatever I want to about Augusta. Maybe it's things that are coming to town, maybe it's frustrations I'm seeing, maybe it's rumors, maybe it's um, really whatever I want it to be. So today I have two things on the docket. Buckle up, here we go. A $340 million metal recycling and secondary smelting facility is coming to Augusta, creating 125 jobs. This is incredible for the economy. You and I both know this. The company is called Arubis, originally from Germany. They'll be producing materials found in lithium batteries and other electronics. Arubis will build its facility on 150 acres of the Augusta Corporate Park off Mike Paget Highway. This is obviously incredible, and if you read the article that WJBF put out, you'll notice that Kemp was heavily involved in this process. This is going to be the first of its kind in Georgia, and the fact that it's coming to Augusta speaks loud volume. Number two on the docket is just simply an update. We're not all driving on Riverwatch Parkway, but we all have seen that Dave & Buster's sign that has sat there for two, three years. Well, I'm here to tell you that though we do not have a completion date out yet, there is brick and mortar showing up. We're seeing the steel foundation. We're seeing everything come up. So good news is we are actually getting a Dave and Buster's as promised for the past three years. So this is great news. And that is all I have for Around Augusta with Chris. If there's anything that you know what's going on in the city, maybe that maybe you could help me out putting out content for this segment. Y'all have a great, great week.